1: Hi and welcome to the official Good Morning Football podcast. I'm Will Selvin. and here are the best moments in this week So Far at the Breakfast Table. Super Bowl 53 has come and gone. From a record-setting low score to an Edelman MVP, there was plenty to break down. So let's take a listen to what's going on at the Breakfast Table.
2: 32.9 points per game for the Rams this season, but it was not the offensive explosion we were all expecting from these two quarterbacks in this Super Bowl matchup. The 16 combined points, the fewest between two teams in all Super Bowl history. Gentlemen, biggest takeaway as we sort of, I don't know, I feel like we're, I'm sort of like hungover from sure. everything that happened and we're still trying to piece it together here this morning. Biggest takeaway?
0: Julian Edelman is incredible. You know, one of the best postseason wide receivers of all time. He's second to Jerry Rice in catches, he passes Michael Irvin in yards, second to Jerry Rice, of course. And then when you look at yards in the Super Bowl, how about this list right here? Jerry Rice, number one with 589. Lynn Swan, 364. You know who's third on the list? Julian Edelman with 337. Oh, man, Just ahead of Andre Reid. Yeah. The other three guys on that list are Hall of Famers. Julian Edelman has shown up big in the biggest of moments. And I get it. If you want to sit at home and argue and say, Nate, well, what about his regular season? What about Pro Bowls? Julian Edelman, for his entire career, has played for the most diverse offense in NFL history. He's not asked to put up 1,500 yards every year. He's asked to show up big in the biggest moments. And to me, that's not just one of the best wide receivers in the postseason. That's a Hall of Fame wide receiver. My takeaway is Julian Edelman monster.
2: 600 yard games in the postseason for Edelman. The offense he was definitely the superstar. Well deserving of the MVP. My takeaway is that if I could give away an MVP last night it would be Brian Flores. Just take it. Take it and go because we're talking offense and how that's what's ruling the NFL. No. Defense won this thing for them. They forced eight punts in the first eight possessions for the Rams Were the second best offense in points per game in the National Football League this season. They sacked Goff four times. That's the second most. He's been sacked all year. They hit him 12 He had been hit more than eight times in a single game this season. That interception to Gilmore, you guys, I I was waiting for it. I knew it was coming because they had pressured him the entire game, made him uncomfortable, erased the run. Gurley couldn't really find a rhythm. It was all so obvious all game long. And after that Titans game, I talked about this a lot leading up to this game, something happened. They adjusted after the bye, after getting blown out by Tennessee. They've allowed just 16.8 points a game. That is top five in the league. The defense sort of turned around. They came to play. They lose Patrick Chung. Flores still gets it done. And if you are a Miami Dolphins fan this morning, this is the one Patriots winning you can get behind because that's the kind of guy you're getting next season.
3: Big day for the Dolphins. Big day. Um, You mentioned, Kay, the hangover that we have, and part of that is being irritated. I'm mad this morning. I'm mad at the Rams, and I think I speak for people who had Super Bowl parties yesterday, who invited their friends over. who planned. The the Rams offense, what the hell was that? What the hell was that? I'm talking about starting the game with eight straight punts, getting nothing from Todd Gurley again. Sean McVay comes out and says afterwards, I got out-coached. We know, Sean. You backed badly out, Coach. I love you, man. But Bill Belichick just put you over his knee. I- I'm tired of it. You know what the most frustrating part
4: is? You had a spanking last night.
3: Yeah, I got to think I had a big one. You might have got paddled last night, Peter. There, there was never. Okay. A trick play, this crazy innovation. They, hadn't, they couldn't get it going against the Saints, right? They ran something nuts. They, they jump-started the thing. They come out even in the third quarter when they had nothing. And that first drive, like, Gurley gets a run. Maybe we got it. Then Gurley, nothing, Gurley, nothing, incomplete punt. I hate it. Where were the adjustments? I feel like McVay adjusted his offense fewer times than Adam Levine adjusted himself last night. It was nothing. <laughs> and you know what I'm thinking during that game? Somebody give me the Saints on a plane. Can we get the Saints here for the second half? Because Ooh. I know Drew Brees would not have been held to three points. I know p- they would not have been blanked. I'm sitting there frustrated not to dig up the scar tissue. The, Ra- the Rams didn't show up on offense. Of all things, they're changing the game. I'm a genius. You're not changing squat. Give me the Saints on a plane because they actually would have given us something. I, I hate it. You know, it Or maybe the Patriots would have stuffed it the Saints trendy. too. That's what I'm <laughs> saying. I, I, look,
4: I don't want to discredit the Rams' victory over the Saints, but I will say this. I spoke with McVay last week in L.A. I was in the building. I'm like, these guys are dialed in. Spoke to them yesterday before the game. I'm on the field. I'm talking to Sean, and he's saying, we're, we got it. We're good. We feel good. These guys are great. We're up. Walked up and down that Ram sideline, talking to all the players. They were dialed in. They thought they had the game plan. They got the Mike Tyson treatment. They got punched in the face, and they never recovered. punch back! The Chiefs were shut out in the first half of the AFC Championship game. They came back and scored 31 points on 31 plays against the Patriots. The Rams were shut out, and they scored three points. I am disappointed in the Rams. And my big takeaway is... What do we make of this team? Because there are going to be free agents. Was this a flash in the pan? And if it is a flash in the pan, what do we make of McVeigh? It was a two-week buildup of the greatest coach of all time, this wonderful wonder kid. Guess what? He got his lunch served to him yesterday. How does he respond? Because I know right now he's frustrated, he's in pain, but I'm not sure there's any answers to how you could have changed things. That was horrendous.
2: Well said. We've got more takeaways here. uh, This is a breakfast table. There's, yeah, no, there's no breakfast on it. I mean, Maybe there I've should noticed. be in the next yeah, couple of hours. We'll be back. Hotcakes, hello. After this, from Atlanta, this is Good Morning Football. Sony Michelle's touchdown in the fourth quarter was his sixth of the postseason. That's the most by a rookie. Uh, I mean, that's wild in NFL history and postseason. Sonny Michelle, one of the many heroes for the Patriots last night, Bill Belichick and Brady. Of course, they'll be remembered their legacy set, six Super Bowl, six Lombardi trophies. Edelman has his thing going on, being named the MVP, best beard in the game. Who goes down, though, as the unsung hero for the Pat side of things in Super Bowl 53?
0: I'll go with my boy Kyle Van Noy. you know, a former Lions player who was basically traded away for scraps, mm-hmm. and then he shows up to the New England Patriots and plays at a high level. My man had three tackles, one sack, two tackles for loss, and three QB hits, three QB hits. And there's a reason why Jared Goff at times was uncomfortable, why he's throwing off his back leg, why he's skipping a couple of balls, because he had that pressure in his face all game long. A big part of why the Rams had just 62 yards and 3.4 yards of carry. Because my man was flying all over the field. So the unsung hero is Kyle Vannoy. Listen, and this comes after the AFC Championship game where he had 10 tackles, two sacks, and a forced fumble. So Kyle Noy, a guy who, when he was traded away, oh, just another bust. Let's see if Patriots can make him special. Well, guess what? They did. I'm
4: going to go with De'Ron Harmon. It was interesting. De'Ron Harmon's been there for a long time. He played one snap in the first half. One snap. Patrick Chung goes down with the injury. DeRon Harmon makes maybe the biggest play that won't show up in the stat line on the interception that Stephon Gilmore had. The Patriots had not blitzed all game. No zero blitzes, nothing. They've been completely conservative. Then they sent the dogs, and it was Jerron Harmon on that interception by Stefan Gilmore, who's pressure. If you watch the play, yeah. it's number 21 who comes and makes Jared Goff slip. Yep. An unbelievable performance by Harmon, who comes in after the Patrick Chung injury, and that is so the Patriot way. Yeah. So the Patriot way that this guy's been there forever. One snap in the first half. This is not a Malcolm Butler situation. Right. He was ready to play when they gave it to him, and he made the play of the game that won't show up in the stat
2: line. And Chung's a hard player to sort of, you can't just grab anybody to do that, the veteran leadership, the things that that he has to sort of make those adjustments. And he really plays like 18 different positions out there. So everybody stepped up. Shelton and obviously Harmon, Gilmore, the entire defense sort of uh, came together as a team once that happened. I'm going to go with McCourty, though. Jason McCourty. It was a storyline that I was obsessed with going into the Super Bowl. I got to work with Dev. I know him very well. And they, he always wanted to play with his brother. And his brother... Jason, for the last eight years, was with the Titans, and then he played for the winless Browns, gets to the postseason for the first time this year as a Patriot. And really, this play right here, Goff holds on to the ball a second too long, and it is a beautiful breakup by McCourty. Brandon Cooks robbed of a touchdown, which would have changed the game, in my opinion. So him making two really brilliant pass breakups in this one, this one clearly the most memorable one. He is the unsung hero. He's the one who stood at the podium yesterday, and he said... We put up the headlines of you saying, we're too old, we suck, and he got up off the podium and bounced. And I loved that edge from the McCourty brother.
3: I love that, too. Mm -hmm. It was a great story. And it had a storybook ending. Oh, yeah. Um, I I would be lying to myself if I wasn't being genuine here. There's Hall of Fame players, superstars. For most of the night, this was a battle between two Oregon State punters. (laughs) And I'm not even kidding. All right, so Ryan Allen, the (laughs) Patriots punter, and Johnny Uh. Hecker. This is what this was. And let me tell you something about Ryan Allen. Last year in the Super Bowl, he does not punt a single time. No punts. In this one, three times he pinned the Rams inside the seven-yard line. And I'm not just being funny. The way the Patriots defense was playing, that ends the drive right there. That is an incredibly huge deal. Three times, and it's it's always Slater down there, downing it. At one point in the game, Johnny Hecker has the longest punt in Super Bowl history, and it was the highlight of the game. Yeah. They played it in the stadium. They put it up, and people start cheering. It's these two guys against each other. I saw some stuff on Twitter that at one point, before Julian started getting off, that if the if the Patriots offense had not figured it out, that Ryan Allen was going to get MVP chatter for the way he was punting. <laughs> so I will give you that from zero punts in the Super Bowl to one of their biggest weapons in the Super Bowl, Ryan Allen, Oregon State Beaver, who outduels Johnny Hecker. That's it. Guys, That what that game was about. <laughs> 13, <laughs> 13, three. To, 13 pro, to 3 13 to 3 that's deep, what it was. That's really valuable have been on the Twitch right. this morning more. after
2: the Super Bowl <laughs> much more ahead with Peter and Kyle and Nate and Kate a masterful performance again from Bill Belichick. So many wins, his sixth ring. Tracy used the word pulverized to describe what he did to this high flying Offense for the Rams and I keep thinking was this his best performance but then it's really hard for me to think that anything could be better than a very improbable 28-3 to comeback that said this is a team that lost to the Steelers that lost to the Titans that lost Josh Gordon that didn't start with Edwin that had a 41-year-old quarterback and they somehow adjusted and made it happen this might be the most impressive playoffs for the Patriots for me
4: playoffs indeed Kay I, I agree with you and I would go back even further I'd say over the offseason everyone's unhappy yeah You've got, uh, you know, Brady's physical trainer is on the plane. Is he not on the plane? He is he on, vaca- on the facility? Brady, on Brady was on he a camera. He didn't show up. And then you had all the players that were lost, Dion Lewis and Nate Solder. The list goes on. Malcolm Butler, whoever you want to name. People legitimately thought it was over. I'm one of them. I thought the Chiefs, this was their year, and I was proven wrong. i got a shoe in my mouth right now, mm-hmm. and I've got egg all over my face. And Belichick did it again. This guy is unbelievable. He found a way. It was all season long, and, yeah. OK, that playoff run and that December turnaround, that's special stuff. Not a lot of coaches can do that.
0: Yeah, I got this size 12 in my mouth as well and scrambled eggs all over my face. You know, middle of the season, I looked in the camera and said that the Patriots aren't going to make the Super Bowl. So this isn't your season. You guys won't make it. And they came at me and they said, Nate, just ride the wave. We will be there. And guess what they hear? I would say that it is, it is its finest coaching performance. It's his latest, and if it's if it's his latest, it's his greatest. So, for me, I love the fact that he's able to motivate these men that really needed motivation. This
3: question comes down to: Was this better than the last Patriots-Rams Super? Yeah. The ultimate shocker, and my answer is yes. I look at that last Patriots team that beat the Rams. I see Ty Law. I see Willie McGinnis. I see Richard Seymour. I don't see those guys on this defense. They had an incredible night. They don't have. Those studs. Juggernauts. Of course, they don't have the juggernauts, and they just held the Rams with three points. I think it was Belichick's greatest performance ever in the Super Bowl.
2: Edeldog finished with 141 receiving yards. Guys, let's do a little Believe It or Not here in Atlanta. This is the fewest points any team has scored in winning the Super Bowl. So let me ask you this. As great as Edelman was, and he was, 12 targets, clutch plays, should a defensive player have won Super Bowl MVP? Yes.
3: Yes. I believe it should have happened, I think it should have been Stephon Gilmore. Really? Um, there's almost kind of an unwritten rule, though, to get the defensive MVP, you have to score a touchdown. Malcolm Smith scored a touchdown. Larry Brown scored a touchdown. Vaughn just wrecked the whole world. Um, Edelman was great. He didn't score. We can get into the numbers of it. Gilmore, it's not just the interception you see in the highlight package. He had a forced fumble. He had three pass breakups and five tackles. Of all people... Big Calais Campbell from the Jacksonville Jaguars last night was watching the game and tweeting out furious yeah. that Stephon Gilmore did not. When it got 5,000 retweets, I feel like the defensive players around the, the league were always very sensitive about rules and penalties. Thought this was supposed to be their night, and I happen to agree with them. Stephon
0: Gilmore was a monster. I mean, I don't want to argue with you because Let's argue, Nate. Was, if he would have got it, I would have been fine with it. But I will argue with you because if Julian Edelman doesn't have the game that they have. The game is knotted at three, and it comes down to a field goal mm. like we've seen in plenty of Super Bowls. They held the Rams at three points, Nate. The defense was really good. Okay, but <laughs> if Julian Edelman doesn't have the the game that he has, they don't move the ball like they did. They had 500 yards last year without Julian Edelman in the Super Bowl. And that, and Julian Edelman had 141 this year. And the 25-yard catch to set up
2: the field goal, too. To and they only converted three downs in this entire game. All of them were Edelman.
0: Talk about it. Now, let me ask you this, Kyle. Come on, Nate. If Julian Edelman didn't play in this game, would they win? I don't know. Maybe Chris Hogan could have done it. I don't Chris know. H- Chris H- I love Chris Hogan. He's one of my favorite players. <laughs> he couldn't get open yesterday. Nah, but if I'll you are I'll, I'll say this. I'll say this. What do you got?
4: It's easy to pile on that thought right there, Nate. But to Kyle's point, all season it's been offense. 54 to 451 was a game we saw this year. Saints, Rams, Chiefs. ga We heard it all. This was a defensive game. This was a defensive game. And if it was a defensive game, you could say the best defensive player on the field should have won the most valuable player. Stefan Gilmore was the best defensive player on the field for either team. I'm with Kyle on this one. It would 100% been justified if Stephon Gilmore, who was a first-team All-Pro all season right. and the best player in their defense all year. Is, is it such a crime in a 13-3 game in the era of big offenses to actually reward the defensive player?
0: Nobody said that. I agree. The first thing I said is if he would have got it, I would have been okay with it. He had an amazing game. Mm -hmm. Julian Edelman, from the start of the game to the finish of the game, Mm -hmm. was the best player on the field to me. A buck 41, 10 catches on 12 targets. Mm -hmm. Not to mention, this is a defense that has Andomican Sue Aaron Donald, who's supposed to put pressure on Brady, a key to Libra, Marcus Peters on the back end, linebackers that are supposedly the fastest in the business, they bracket him, they zone him, they man Mm him. Julian Edelman still comes down with big time plays and not even in traffic. My man was routing these dudes no, up, was open by three or four yards. He's so incredible. I'm saying obviously I'm a little bit biased because I'm an offensive player and a wide receiver. Either guy could have won it. Sure. I just I'm a firm believer that without Julian Edelman, this game comes down to a field goal, and with Greg the Zerline, on the other side, sure. the Rams could have kicked a long one and won it. That's all I'm saying. Can
3: I can I shift gears on Edelman? GMFB memories. I remember a couple years ago we did a whiteboard topic. Okay. We we're talking about Tom Brady, and the question was something along the lines of. When it's all said and done and you close your eyes and think of Tom Brady's career, who's the receiver that you think of that he's throwing to? And I remember some of us said Troy Brown and I think Kay and Peter said it's Wes Welker for sure. That's done now. I think it's Edelman. I think it's Edelman. Edelman's got three Super Bowl rings yep. or two seasons later. I love Welker. I love Deion Branch. I love Troy Brown. When Brady's all said and done with this, his guy through Brady's career is number 11. It's Edelman. That's and, the guy.
2: And it's those postseason moments where he yep. comes in clutch and we're talking about that field goal. That field goal doesn't yeah. happen without that 25-yard catch. The game-winning touchdown was- not happen without a huge play by Edelman there. I don't think Chris Hogan could do it because as great of a teammate as Edelman says he is, it is what Belichick said when he was at the podium, a guy who, for whatever reason, has some gene that when the biggest moment is there and when all the noise in the world and that stadium is shaking, he does not lose his nerve at all.
0: Yeah, to Kyle's point, he used to be the sidekick. It was like, oh, it's cute. He's, he's, he's Brady's best, best friend. friend. Former quarterback. <laughs> now he's an equal.
4: Right. He's an equal. Super willing to thing I said it earlier in the show, I heard from someone in Edelman's camp, he gets out of the locker room, there's buses supposed to take the team back to the hotel, but the MVP gets in an SUV, Awesome. and they put him there, and he's like, all right, gets in with his friend, and he's kind of still in the moment, then they open the doors to the hotel, and there's a thousand Patriots fans at 11.30 at night, outside of a hotel, waiting to receive him, and that's when Julian Edelman finally realizes... It's about me. It's not about the Patriot way. For a second, can I have a moment? It's about me. He felt like a rock star, and he
2: is. Converted the only third downs on the night, all three of them. We're all packed to get back to New York, hopping on the flight right after this. Out of Atlanta. We'll be on Good Morning Football the rest of the week, but we did not pack the whiteboard. Specifically for this segment, let's have a little fun here on GMFB. You can play along at home at hashtag GMFB. As we said, six, as you said, seis. six rings for Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Six, the non-sports dynasty that reminds you most of the Patriots is what? Uh, okay. <laughs> you guys can play along at home. It was kind of a red wedding last night, just a little bit. Not great. Hashtag GMFB. What do you got, Shrakes?
4: I'll go first. I'll go with a Boston rock band that's been doing it since the 70s, and everyone always thinks they're just going to eventually not have that high gear. Sure. I'm going with Aerosmith. Okay. I'm going with Steven Tyler, Perry, yeah. the whole crew, the whole crew. These guys were in the '70s, relevant. Had a little dip in the '80s. Came back in the '90s. Here we are, 2000s. It's 2019. They played one of the big events here, at the Super Bowl. Everyone's been talking about the Aerosmith. Brought guy. the house down. I'm like Aerosmith. Yes, yes, Aerosmith. It doesn't
0: matter the year. They're still doing it. Give me Aerosmith. Give me Boston. That's and it. me The Patriots. Brady's got a gun, baby. That's it. What do you got, Nate? I have the perfect one. It's a long-lasting dynasty and a run of something that some people have fatigue from. But if you really break it down, you better respect these damn numbers, man. <laughs> Talk about it! Fast and the Furious, man. All right.
3: True. I don't like it, Nate. It's trash. It's not good acting.
0: It's garbage. That's fast food. Check crude. the scoreboard. Check the numbers. Check the, okay, Tokyo Drift. <laughs> That one doesn't count, but the rest of them, no. <laughs> yeah, <they're> fantastic.
3: <laughs> that was the Matt Castle season, the Tokyo Drift. Frank's saying
2: it's pretty good. <laughs> Looks like you enjoyed it. I, I like it like all. seven times. <laughs> I like I them all.
3: They, they lived their life a quarter mile at a time.
2: <laughs> yeah. never Dom, punch it,
3: Toretto. All right, I Bow-row got it. I right. will never get this This, this is what I'm Dorado. going for. This, put, put this up right here. You want to check the Boom. numbers. I never Boom. saw a single episode of this show. They got 108 <laughs> Emmy nominations. 108. I feel like. Belichick was like on the Browns was like Frazier on Cheers. (laughs) Belichick on the Browns was Frazier on Cheers. Then he goes to the Patriots and is a different guy. I think uh, McDaniels is your David Hyde Pierce. Mr. Kraft is John Mahoney in the chair. I never saw Frazier. It it dominated for a whole era and there's polarizing. That's the Patriots.
2: Frazier. Frazier Crane. Frazier Crane. Let's uh, keep it going here with a little whiteboard. Monday from Atlanta, the Patriots held the league's second highest scoring offense to three points. That's crazy. The Rams' offensive performance in Super Bowl 53 was the biggest letdown since what?
0: All right. I'll say a movie that got a lot of hype. And when I saw it, I was like, ah, it's just all right. And it's actually fitting because this describes the Rams' offense.
4: Not a fan of Ooh. Krasinski, huh?
2: A quiet place. I am, but Emily Blunt <laughs> was fantastic.
0: Right. But it's like the offense. It was like, oh, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Where's, where's uh, Todd Gurley at? I'm going with the quiet place. Okay.
3: When that kid's little toy goes off, man, my oh, heart stopped. What you got it out of your mind. Take the battery with out. The stupid kid. batteries. And where do you think you're living? Um, I, I'll give this an LA reference too. Okay. When I was brand new in LA, I was 23 years old. Didn't have a lot of money. Didn't know what I was doing. I thought I'd go to the Santa Monica Pier. I thought it's a cool place to go. <laughs> and I saw something I'd never seen before. I'm like, I gotta buy this. And it was the biggest disappointment of my life. You gotta be kidding me with the Dippin' Dots ice cream oh. of the future. I totally disagree. I had one spoonful and spit it out. No one who's eating Dippin' Dots doesn't want to just be eating. Ice cream, the ice cream of the past and the present. They've been ice cream of the future for 40 years. Dippin' dots. That was what the Rams did last night. I
4: love a good. you good, Dippin', Dippin Dots, Yeah. Yeah. They
3: sell it out of a vending machine. Yes, I bought it. from got the
4: Continental it. Arena Dippin in New Jersey. Yeah. Delightful. What so I'm got? gonna go with this one. The last <laughs> Netflix documentary you all raved about. They're not all good,
0: guys. <laughs> the <laughs> stairs, Peter. The you have to see this it. You have to. You have to see it. It'll change your mind. This so, No, no. This is the one. Wait. You're not. You have to see it. Not feeling the Fry Festival. Every
4: one of them, Fry Festival. There's seven of these documentaries. They're all going to win of the Oscar. Sacrificed
3: a lot to make that f- festival.
4: Year, yeah, right? I've right? heard. Sometimes you got to uh, take one for the team. I've heard. Look, these Netflix documentaries. Every day, there's a new one. I've got to see. I don't have the time. There's only six parts. Each part's four hours. You got to. You up. have to. I'm an old school guy. I like Ken Burns. Give me a good Civil War doc, and I'm here for it. I don't need this flash in the pan stuff. You Haven't watched it yet. You're not all caught up. I will see it eventually. This crazy one about Ted Bundy. I'm good. I'm good. Always
3: oh, such a light subject matter, too, about serial killers.
4: Yeah.
2: <laughs> All right. One more here out of Monday coming to you from Super Bowl 53. And that might have been last night, right behind us, Rob Gronkowski's final game. The fictional character that best epitomizes Gronk and the career of Gronk is what? A fictional character. I got it.
3: I got it. Thank you. Uh, I like to hold it this way, it makes it cool. Um, I feel like Carson Daly. This guy right here, Jesse Pinkman. Talk about break. it. He is young, childlike, lovable. He is the uh, sidekick to Walter White, who would be Brady. And remember at the end, Pinkman wanted to escape. All he wanted was to get the hell out of there. He'd been through so much his body and his mind. The most lovable guy on the greatest show of this generation, just like Brady, but
0: just like Gronk on the Patriots, Jesse Pinkman. Jesse Pinkman. It's great. I'm going with Wreck-It Ralph. I think this pretty much describes Gronk. I mean, he's an absolute monster. Sometimes he's looked at as the bad guy, but really he's a good guy. Without without Gronk, they don't win all these games. And on top of that, when he decides to come back for one more year, he's gonna break the internet.
3: Is that you think he and Vanellope had a thing, Nate? That's it. Enough to tell. Tough to Friend tell. zone?
0: <laughs> Friend zone.
4: I'm going to go back to 70s television, a big hot spot on our show. Oh, yeah, we uh, I'm going to go with the Fonz. Hey. Hey. Happy days. Hey. You know, he hits the jukebox. Hits the jukebox. <laughs> you know? I, the, I think Henry Winkler was like 45 when he was yeah. playing the Fonz. Coolest guy in the world
3: living he in somebody's garage. <laughs> <laughs> His office was a bathroom and a diner. He was the coolest guy ever. <laughs> Fonzarelli is anybody investigated anything with these high school kids? He's like forty. Anyway, Have sorry, you, Peter.
2: That was a special whiteboard segment from hey. ATL. We can pack them up and take them back to New York. Have you guys ever guessed the same thing once in three out three years of doing the show? I don't think so. You know what those
3: guys are going to yeah? do? Yeah, Nate's going to do more money, more problems. <laughs> he's going to make fun of things, meet sweats. Anybody ever investigated him? I mean oh he, he's, he's, he's like born in 1930 we'll and you now a kids born in the 60s.
2: We'll be back after this.
1: Obviously, I agree with Kay on this one. You could have Stephon Gilmore or Brian Flores as your MVPs. Now, there are a lot of ideas flying around the NFL after Sunday. Some more believable than others. Is Tom Brady the greatest player of all time? Did we see the last of Gronk? And will Peter ever get his voice back? We're seeing if we're buying into any of it
2: with a little Believe It or Not it's time for another edition of Believe, Believe It or Not. Hey, first statement, there's no arguing that Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. But let's go a step further here. Tom Brady is the greatest football player. Of all time. This is tough dregs, believe it or not.
4: Okay, I got heated with our producer in the morning meeting, our, our producer, Laura. I said, You can't do that. A, that's a show. That's not a three second <laughs> seconds. That's second. three hours. That's three hours. That's the entire offseason. But I will present you another option. That's what I'll do. Because okay. Brady versus whoever. I'm going to go with Jim Brown. Jim Brown, the legendary Browns running mm. back. And it's because of the other ways that other people revere him. It was before my time. Sure. I don't know. But when Jim Brown is in a room, as he was at the NFL Honors, people stop in their You're tracks right. and pay homage. It's different than Montana. It's different than name. With. Jim Brown, the guys, really quickly, the resume if you need it. Played only nine years in the league. Led the league in rushing in eight of them. Eight-time first-team All-Pro. He averaged 5.2 yards per carry over his
3: career. Peter, can I tell you, when they play somebody's highlights to a flute, you know, it's an old-school old
4: reference.
0: Listen to this. In 2002, well,
4: he was voted the greatest player of all time when they took a vote. All right? And there was 12 teams in the NFL when he started. All right? 12 teams. And he did it. Broke the rushing record. Broke everything. Here's the one I love. Twelve game season, the rushing record for a single year was 1146. Stood forever. 1146. He comes in his second year in the league and runs for 1527. Smashed it. Runs for more than 500 more yards and went insane, insane, and the way others respect yeah. him. I'll put Jim Brown in the comment. Brady's got the titles. Jim Brown might have the prestige. Mm. Also, the greatest lacrosse player ever. I think. Yeah, greatest so, right? lacrosse player ever. Yeah, player. he was
0: all American lacrosse player. Yeah. Um, And also, they didn't pass the ball. (laughs) They kind of knew that Brown was getting it. He's going to get the ball. So we had this uh, question posed in the morning meeting, and I immediately thought Jim Brown. So you took him off the table. But then I started breaking down the actual question, right? The best player ever, I guess, with accomplishments, you can't argue against Brady. Best football, football, football player ever. I'm going with Deion Sanders. Okay, how come? Because... I feel like when he got the ball in his hands, there was nobody that pumped more fear into anybody in his era. Now, it's one thing to be a shutdown. Oh my gosh, look at this. Just I'm glad you
3: answered this, Nate, just when you watch the highlights.
0: (laughs) Thank you. One (laughs) one one element being a cornerback, a shutdown cornerback, that's tough to do, right? We don't get those every generation. To be one of the best returners ever, that's tough to do. Like Devin Hester did it, but that was pretty much all he did. And then there were times where they actually put him out there wide receiver and he made plays. So I guess you can break it down and say he wasn't the biggest tackler in the world. And he moved around a little bit. But wherever he went, he was fantastic. Mm -hmm. Early in his career, when he landed somewhere, he won a championship. And when he touched the ball, he was dynamic. And it got to the point where he was so good and so dynamic. Steve Harvey said this. He was celebrating from the 40s. From the 40s. It got so bad that when (laughs) other guys would intercept the ball, they would immediately turn around and look for Deion. These are the fastest, the strongest, the most athletic men in the world getting paid money to do a job. If you're a cornerback, go ahead and return it yourself. Yeah, They're turning around. (laughs) Where's Deion? Deion. And give it to Deion. So for me, the best football player ever is Deion Sanders. And not to mention, he also played Major League Baseball. Yeah, and he hit 300. I mean, it's ridiculous. And he hopped out a limo and ran the fastest 40-time ever. I'm just saying, <laughs> his like legend... boots or something. Yeah, his legend the
3: versatility is for Deion. You gotta... You get, you can get really caught up in the hair-splitting of the terms here. Best, best player versus greatest. And then greatest in companies, encompasses legacy and contributions to society, everything... I'm just going to keep this real simple and go with Jerry Rice. I'm going to go with Jerry Rice. Um, I'm going to actually give it a modern tie, though, um, for what Rice has accomplished and the numbers that he put up. Here's the modern tie I've got. We Look at this guy, Michael Thomas, on the Saints. Gotten off to an unbelievable start to his career, sure. right? Michael Thomas just had a 1,400-yard season. Here's what he would have to do to catch Jerry Rice's numbers. Michael Thomas, he has to have 1,400 yards every single season <laughs> – For the next 14 seasons, the last of which he would be 39 years old, and then he can catch Jerry Rice. Don't forget, my friends, is Montana and Young. Yes, Jerry Rice was playing wide receiver at 42 years old and catching touchdown passes from Matt Hasselbeck. Still doing it. Forget about
0: it. Put it to bed. Rice, that's my guy. We're praising Julian Edelman Uh. for having 115 catches in the postseason, which is amazing. Yeah. Jay Rice has 151 catches in the postseason. That's
2: insane. Here's the problem with your answers, and I like all of them. Help me understand the winning part of it, because we're talking, as you very clearly said, greatest – football player to me that's the one who wins the most has mm-hmm. the most wins so how can you not give it to Tom Brady if he has nine conference championships and nobody has more rings than he does that's where it gets a little tricky and
3: he's quarterback and yeah. he has more to do
0: with the game than any of those people do we're because we're
2: never going to see another player do that I agree I because don't think we are
0: I feel like the guys that we named you put them in any other jersey yeah they're still the greatest football players to ever play fair Tom Brady goes to the Cleveland Browns He's not the GOAT. Mm. Jerry Rice can't has three Super
4: Bowl rings. dion has got two, I believe, right, yeah. with the Niners. That, yeah, it's tough. Jim Brown didn't play in a Super Bowl, but he had an NFL championship. Like, they're all winners, but Brady's the greatest winner he's of the all He's the greatest time. winner. No doubt that. I can't so argue Jim
2: about. Brown have led the league in rushing eight out of nine years? Yeah, and, and <laughs> left early. Could have, could
4: have played for more years, but left early to go to Hollywood, yep. where he was a Hollywood star. He played Fireball, the running man.
3: oh he's <laughs> in Mars Attacks. Hello.
2: Up next on Believe or Believe It or Not, <laughs> next up, Super Bowl 53 was Rob Gronkowski's last NFL game ever believe that or not, Kyle.
3: Yeah, and I I hate sad Gronk. It makes sad Kyle and everything like that. I want to read a quote here. Uh, This is from the Boston Globe, and he talked to Gronk a few days before the Super Bowl. Uh, He said there's ups and downs right now, but um, try to imagine getting hit all the time and trying to be where you want to be every day in life. It's tough. It's difficult. I take hits to the thigh. I take hits to the head, abusing your body. It's not what your brain wants. When your body is abused, it can bring down your mood. This is Gronk before the Super Bowl. Um, I think it's going to happen. I think he's going to walk away. It's be very Gronk to walk away with a party on a high note. And, you know, I I follow this story really closely because it's it's near and dear to me. Everything you read is that he has everything from standing offers from Vince McMahon, to to wrestle afterwards. You always hear about he saves all his money and lives off endorsement money. Um, This, to me, looks like a goodbye, the way he spent the week there. Again, I don't have sources. I'm not connected inside the Patriots. I just have intuition in watching him. And what Gronk has, a lot of other players don't, Gronk has options. I think he's walking
0: away. Yeah, he's definitely a superstar on and off the field. You know, I feel like once this settles down and Gronk sits on his couch in this offseason – He walks around with his brothers, and he goes and shoots hoops at the local gym. He starts to feel like he's a little bit healthy. In that Super Bowl, he didn't look like old Mm Gronk. He didn't look like the Gronk that was falling apart. He looked like dominant Gronk. And there's something to be said about the addiction that these Patriots have to playing the game of football. Tom Brady is addicted. He can't live without football. Nobody's like Brady. Julian Edelman grew out his beard and didn't care because... The only thing that mattered was winning a Super Bowl, even though Gronk has that demeanor that sometimes makes him a big goof. He loves the football. He loves football just the same. So for me, I feel like this offseason is gonna come around, and he's gonna sit back and say, "You know what? I still want to play this game." And I'm glad that you read that quote because I got a quote from you Ron- got? that I read, and you know, it gets me emotional every time that I read it. It's a Gronk quote. It, it, it simply just says, "Yo." Soy Fiesta. <laughs> I am party. He is party. <laughs> and he has a party on the field. And he doesn't want to sit on his couch and not be part of the party. Well, That's very dramatic. I hope you're right. <laughs> um,
4: another sport, I'd say, 29 years old, no. Like, but Gail Sayers retired after five years. Jim Brown retired after nine years. Gronk has three championship rings. Talk about he's gonna it. He's going to go down as the greatest tight end of his generation. Talk about he's it. Going to be in the conversation for greatest tight end of all time. If he's not healthy and he's got this new love in his life, his girlfriend is everywhere with him, and he's satisfied – personally and professionally, I would not be shocked if we never see Gronk play again, and there will be no knock to his career. He ended on a great note, three years, did it right, and he could have a party today. I I almost don't need to see Gronk play ever again because it ended so perfectly.
2: I totally agree, it's like a storybook ending, no player. We've heard Aaron Rodgers say it, so many players don't get to leave on their own two feet the way that they want to, if this was that, more power to him and I'd be happy for him.
1: Tom Brady and Bill Belichick might get all the credit, but is there another Patriots player who's been behind the curtain the entire time? We make our picks from the real power player in Patriots country. So Picker. let's look
2: back at the incredible run Tom Brady and Bill Belichick have had together. Let's just go down memory lane. Six Super Bowl wins in 19 seasons. But aside from those two, who is the Patriot that you most associate with that success? It's a very interesting question because those two have given such stability to the organization. But should all the credit be given to them?
0: No, I feel like. Who's the third
2: know, face? Yeah, who's yeah. the third guy?
0: I will say a third guy and I feel like he actually is the first guy above Bilicek and Brady. You know, when you think about the championships, right? The six rings. You think about the Super Bowl appearances. It's impressive. The consecutive ASC title game, it's impressive. The winning season, all that, it's impressive. But what's more impressive than that? Being worth $6.6 billion. Okay. A guy who bought the Patriots for $172 million, now worth $3.7 billion. <laughs> a guy who started a paper manufacturing conglomerate who said he started it on a hunch because he anticipated the global trade was going to kick up. How about a guy who also has taken the New England Revolution, martial arts, ultimate fighting championship. How about a 2017, a guy who started the professional video game team in Boston, part of the recently formed Overwatch eSports League, which is huge if you don't know, now you know. Sure. And how about this, the most important thing, at all these numbers, all this wealth that he has. What do you got? He's donated over $100 million to charities over the course of his career. I get it. We'll praise Bill Belichick. We'll praise Tom Brady. But there's a guy sitting above it all that isn't above it all. Mm -hmm. He is one of them. He comes down on the field. He's wearing his Air Force Ones, his suit, no tie, very casual. He talks to the richest men and women in the world. He shakes hands with the brokest people in the world. Mm. He can share meals with the fanciest of people and also embrace the guy that's cleaning up the facility. Robert Kraft is a man of the people. I've never met him, but when I see Bill Belichick and I see Tom Brady, I also see Robert Kraft. That's a guy we should be talking about a lot. He's a Hall of Famer, and he does it the right way.
2: You can't argue that. You can't. He's not Pavarotti, he's not Domingo, but he is the other guy. You're right. And, and
0: he's not over. He's not overbearing. There's some, as we know, there's some owners. You know, they like P. Diddy in the '90s, all in the video. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's, he's he's a little he's a little removed. They
3: got
4: no the respect for the
0: Patriots. Sorry.
4: Right. The CBS cameras never go to Robert Kraft. Um... Kidding. Hmm?
0: Uh, Look, <laughs> he fixated tell. on him you the know entire
4: game.
2: Nate hasn't met him. And I've met him a couple of times. Yeah. He's always been great to me. But you can just see the way <laughs> the players speak about him, the way they react to him on camera. Yeah. What an impact! I has. actually,
4: Nate said he's a Hall of Famer. It's amazing. Eddie DeBartolo three years ago. Jerry Jones two years ago. Pat Bolan this year. It is time for that Robert Kraft push into yeah. the Hall of Fame. While you know, at the very yeah. least, during the height of their powers. Like, let's not do this ten years from now. Yeah. There should be a push this year. Right. To get Robert Kraft in the Hall of Fame because Jerry got in, right? Yeah, there might be no more accomplished owner already in football for all the victories he's He now. watches our program.
3: I oh, get, does he? I got and to meet him on the field last year before Pat Seagulls, and he goes, you guys are crazy in the morning. There you like, go. That's right. Tweet the show, Mr. That's Kraft, it. please. That's it, Mr. Kraft,
4: please. Someone, we need a tweet. <laughs> I'm going to go with a player. I'm going to go with a player who uh, has made so many <laughs> clutch plays and has been a part of so many moments. And I love early Patriots defense, David Patton, David Givens, but later era Patriots have been dictated by clutch moments by Julian Edelman. That's my third guy. Mm-hmm. I go Brady, Belichick, Edelman. And I think of three plays or three moments in particular. <laughs> the first one, I go to that AFC divisional round game. They're down 14 points twice. Suck it, this Jules. One. Julian Edelman throws the dime to Danny Amendola. This one puts them back into this game. They would eventually go on to win and then go on to beat the Seahawks in the Super Bowl. How about two years ago against Atlanta? They're down eight points. They're trying to make something happen here. It might be the most dramatic catch in Patriots' Super Bowl history, not made by David Tyree. This one here is by Julian Edelman. It's the juggling catch. It's called it the Julian Juggle. Saved the Super Bowl and absolutely cemented him in Patriots' lore. And then how about capping off what has been a tumultuous season, missing the first four games, coming off an ACL, and being the Super Bowl MVP? You want to talk about... Mount Rushmore, I've got Julian Edelman right up there with Belichick and Brady. And, Nate, if you want to go Kraft, I'll give you that, too. Edelman right up there. I think he defines this generation of Patriots football. Mm.
3: He's so Patriots, it hurts. It's everything they're all about. It's incredible. I'm going to look something completely different. Nate, you talk about Robert Kraft being kind of above it all. I'm going to go to the guy who's beneath it all, and I'm going to go with Ernie Adams. And if you're not paying attention, you don't know who that is. His label inside the organization last I saw was, quote, director of football research. And we got a shot of Ernie. Ernie Adams has been with Bill Belichick for decades as, well, as Slate put it, one of the Svengali's and Rasputin's behind the Pats magic. That's how they put it. Um, Back when Bill Belichick was with the Browns. Reportedly, the owner, Art Modell, had his entire staff in front of him in a room and said, I'll give $10,000 to anybody in this room who can tell me what Ernie Adams does. Nobody had an answer. No intern, no PA who dying for that money. Nobody had an answer. Matt Light said in 2008, total mystery. 2015, Stephen Gaskowski, the kicker. Speaking of Ernie Adams, I can't tell you what Ernie does. No one knows. These guys are in the facility every day. We have Ernie Adams here on this table as a caricature that <laughs> there's a secret entrance where you play the piano notes and the bookcase opens in Foxborough, and you go down into the catacombs, and Ernie Adams is chained to a wall <laughs> with some hot soup and some stale bread, and Belichick tells him, Hot Hot soup. They refresh it. Find things in this game that will help us win that we don't know about. It's like, I found section three, article D, we can beat the Ravens. And it works. Ernie Adams, the unsung hero, sort of the yellow king of the New England Patriots. Amazing.
2: I love that. The way I look at the Patriots dynasty, it's a part one, part two. So I love that you brought an element for part two. And Kraft's been there through it all. But you have the tie law. Willie Mm McGuinness, Dion Branch, early era, right? That's chapter one. There's three rings there. Then you have the era that we're sort of living in right now. And I really feel like... People forget that there was a lull in this Patriots dynasty, right? There was the 16-0 season in two, 2007, and after that, it was they didn't make it to the AFC Championship like three times. Then Gronk shows up, and he has this breakout sophomore season. So I think it is Gronk because he is the biggest part, literally and figuratively, of the second half, the second chapter, the revitalization of the Patriots dynasty. I feel like, you know— Listen, this this is insane. The Pats have made it to the AFC Championship game or further every year since that breakout season his sophomore year. That's eight straight years, and there's no coincidence that Gronk is a huge part of that. He's a four-time All-Pro. He's won five AFC Championships, three Super Bowls, one of the best players to ever play at his position. This is a first ballot Hall of Famer that we are talking about, even not at 100% in the Super Bowl. He's still, they don't win the Super Bowl without that setup catch from Brady to Gronk him. to set up Sony Michelle and the only touchdown in this Super Bowl. Also, what I love is in the midst of do your job, no days off, it's a tough time for media up there they cannot get anything out of the Patriots that he has done it all we're looking at Juju Smith-Schuster having the offseason he had and then also having a great season it is very rare to pull it all together and do both especially in New England so for him to sort of do it loosely for him to embrace other things for him to like Hollywood and have it all makes him a well-rounded player and makes him a unique player and I think he's the third guy
1: Gronk, one yeah. more year one more year <laughs> we'll see
2: if we can get <laughs> he's still here <laughs>
1: Well, thanks for tuning in to the Good Morning Football Podcast. Make sure to subscribe on all our channels and come back tomorrow for some more fun. So from all of us here at GMFB, have a good morning and a great day. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish
0: Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower,